I joined at an incredible time. It was definitely the podcast team was going through a few transitions. So it was rebranding from yeah. iTunes to Apple Podcasts. Yeah. We released podcast analytics, a game changer Granular. in the, the industry. We were like, thank goodness. It's, I think it's a, it's a break from the stream of information of the world. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Chandrika Chakrabarti, and I'll be your host. Freelance Pod is all about how the internet has changed the world of work. On each episode, I'll speak to a guest about freelancing, side hustles, the gig economy, jobs that weren't possible before the internet, and how moving from an analogue to a digital age has revolutionised the way we work. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, I'd love to hear from you. So please do follow Freelance Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also join the Facebook group, and you don't have to be a freelancer to get involved. This episode is all about podcasting. I'll be speaking to Christina Moore, who's worked on podcasts at the BBC and at Apple. Before we get to Christina, did you read the New Yorker piece on podcasting that was published a couple of days ago? It's called How Podcasts Became a Seductive and Sometimes Slippery Mode of Storytelling, and it's by staff writer Rebecca Mead. There are a couple of nice quotes in there, and I particularly like one from the host of The Daily, which is the New York Times' daily news podcast. The host is called Michael Barbaro, and he says, Podcasting is, by definition, a more vulnerable, transparent medium. You can hear the reporter's uncertainty. Here's another quote from Mark Seriak, part of the production company behind the Oscar-winning movie Moonlight. Here he's talking about a potential podcast co-production. He says, 10 or 15 years ago, people were really staying in their lanes. If you were working in film, you were staying in film but over the last 15 years, we have seen that blow open. For me, that's really what Freelance Pod is about. Digital allowing you to move beyond the lane you originally chose if you want to. So back to Christina, our guest on this episode. She was working at Apple earlier this year when my first podcast, Black Mirror Cracked, went live. We released seven episodes upon launch at the same moment that Netflix released Black Mirror Season 4. The podcast got 20,000 listens in its first week and 150,000 over its five-month run. It was on Apple's front page and reached number two in the Apple Podcast TV and Film Chart. So Christina knew the podcast before we met and we referred to it a few times in this episode. So let's get on to hearing about podcasting from Christina Moore, someone who knows a lot about the subject. We spoke at Taryard Studios in King's Cross, London. Hi, I'm Christina Moore and I help build careers in audio. So that's podcasting, audiobooks and voice. In a previous life, I've worked for the BBC and for Apple. So at the moment, I'm working with a, uh, a music service that helps artists so they could be musicians producers djs um it facilitates them working for themselves so in in some ways it's completely relevant to freelance pod uh the company's called platoon um they're on instagram and their handle is we are platoon uh and they offer a, a number of services so one of them or the core feature is distribution but also they help with 
marketing and engagement and also uh, networking. Uh, they really essentially help support artists who don't or can't be under a label for one reason or another. I'm working specifically on podcasts. Uh, they saw podcasts as another mechanism for artists to, to reach an audience. Um, if you've seen the charts at all, you know that George Ezra's done very well, Jesse Ware's done very well. Yes. And all the, also some presenters who kind of have finished with... Edith Bowman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, number one, they can license the music completely because... If it's their music, yeah, Yeah. exactly, yeah. They don't have that problem. They don't have this machine taking care of what they say, when they say it, how it's said, and to whom. They Mm. can do this for their audience, for their listeners. And even to some degree, that for some people, their music listeners won't be the same as their podcast listeners. Uh, So there's not always a crossover, and they could have fans for very different reasons. As a listener, I'm so much of a nerd that I will be the person that scrolls all the way to the bottom of any (laughs) streaming app to find the podcast. Um, So sadly, (laughs) I'm probably not a great example. It was your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't even just, it was was my job, but I I loved Hmm. it anyway. All the new stuff coming in. Yeah, I I really wanted to see all of it and listen to as many as possible. And they wouldn't always land in my kind of like uh, subscribe catalogue, but um, I do really love to know what's coming out. As somebody who was a curator, an editor and whatever other hats I wore in the podcast industry, what I looked for is whether the regardless of whether the subject had been done before, was there a way that this has been retold in a different way? Also, um, is the format slightly different? So there are a hundred music-based podcasts, but what's really distinctive about Desert Island Discs is the way, is the format of Desert Island Discs. So... Uh, that's what I generally, I, well, that's what I'm looking for when I stumble across a new podcast. Um, and then other things come into it. Style, voice. Yes, there are absolutely voices that great. I think uh, you have to admit that. And that perhaps as a creator, um, if, if you get that feedback, <laughs> that you should... You should think about getting somebody else to present that podcast. Oh it's God, brutal. That must be very painful. It's brutal, but I think that that's that is unfortunately the reality. Um, yeah. And there will be people listening to this episode and be like, "God, her voice." The DIY nature of podcasting means that voices that don't get represented in other areas of the media can now make themselves heard. Women have done very well out of podcasting. Actually, I think. All minorities have done somewhat well out of podcasting, and good examples of that are like the receipts. I don't yes, know. They, yeah, yeah. and almost certainly, if they had pitched this to a commissioning body, they would have been given the heave ho. So, <laughs> and which is slightly tragic. It's, it's three women kind of giving advice. Yeah, that that's pretty universal. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't just be actually three women talking about life, about everyday life. 
they would expect talent to be on there when it wasn't necessary. Uh, some of the subjects that they talked about was like, I totally get it. Yeah. This is so funny or so tragic yeah. at the same time. But most people would never, haven't had the same start yeah. as we have. And so yeah. we'd be like, why is this relevant to yeah. young people? Like, do they really talk about things like that? Yeah, absolutely they do. <laughs> and then what you have with podcasting is three women get together and start talking about it yeah. and then there's your proof yeah and that yeah, has been a great yeah, thing about podcasting it, yeah. so how did christina get into the industry i studied cultural theory i remember my dad was like what are you gonna do with that taking a course in cultural theory meant that i had a researcher's type mindset mm. if that makes sense i went and i delved into things a little bit more than i would have if i had just gone to a straight uh, perhaps TV or art or... Do you know what I mean? In a str- They're very you know, practical, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would definitely say that's what I got from my degree as well. It was a case of looking at why people were attracted to certain forms of content throughout history. I felt like that was great preparation yeah. for <laughs> going into content. Because <laughs> this is... We will look back and think of this as a really interesting time. Yeah. As soon as I finished university, I went into a digital-based job and I didn't go, I guess, the typical broadcast route. My job did not exist when I was no. born. To be honest, it barely existed when I started work. <laughs> it was like, oh, it was just so experimental. You yeah. were literally throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, it seems like it might be a good idea. We'll try it. Yeah, that's, that's what I've been yeah. doing. Is this both at the BBC and Apple kind of? More so, oh, oh well, let's innovate for both corporations mm. is, it's such part of that. It's part of their foundation. It's part of what yeah. makes them these massive entities but definitely when I started at the BBC the digital team was quite small we were in an office off of the main building and they're like ah you you know you're a young person digital will be fine go 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 and work on that oh totally I I did work experience at the Guardian yeah it was a Farringdon Road and the internet was on the top floor but it was really good work experience they had they started podcasting in 2004 hadn't they because they invented the word they did yeah so I sat in on a podcast I, I think it was a science and tech one it's really tiny. They put like five of us in there. And all the foam, I remember just being like, I don't think radio studios are like this. <laughs> oh, they make they make like basically radio in here. Oh, and it was like digital separate. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah. And it's amazing to see how all these years later, it's a fully integrated part of content creation. Like you can't, you cannot have a TV or a radio station without having its digital offshoots. You literally jumped into the deep end, right? With yeah, the... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so well, do I you think, think so? Is cracked. I, yeah, do I mean... it's a deep end? I think the popularity meant that you jumped into the deep yeah. end because for some, for, or for most podcasters, there's a period of growth, right? So yeah. there's just kind of like, oh, you get to practice before you get thrown into the limelight. <laughs> yeah. But for you, it's just like... Boom! <laughs> Top 10 of the iTunes charts or the Apple Podcast charts. Was and it was crazy. like, I was just practicing, guys. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's an interesting way to do it. It's, it was nice to see that the theory I had about that audience mm. was true. Not even just that they were there. Because Charlie Brooker does not get his numbers from Netflix. So I interviewed him again the other day. And I had to tell him. No I was way. like, 20,000. Really? So I said, look, these are the numbers. 
150,000 listens about in five months. And he, I said, so obviously your audience is much, much, much bigger. Mm. But just as a proportion to let you know, the people who are coming to listen to the podcast are probably a certain kind of person. By the types of programming that gets consumed, you might make a fair guess Mm. of what their income is. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of factual content. And if you kind of have a look at some of the Ofcom figures for radio and see what demographic they fall into, it's going to be very similar, but younger for mm. those who listen and consume podcasts. I call it Freelance Pod because I feel it's easy, it's short. I can mm. get the social handles for it. Yeah. And I think it's decent on search, although it's a very broad search that would lead to it. Yeah. And I can't think of another one like one or two words for it. But it's more than being a freelance necessarily. I think you're onto something. Mm. And when people come to me and they ask me, you know, uh you know, what kind of audience figures should I be looking for in podcasts? And I tell them it very much depends on the type of podcast that you mm. want to do and create. Um generalist podcasts do need large numbers especially if they want to find advertising or sponsorship but if you're specialist actually you don't need huge numbers you don't need to go for the 200,000 listens per per week per episode kind of thing actually you can find a sponsor and say look I've got a really targeted market really targeted they're all men or women or people who are interested in X and they are completely suitable for your product. Mm. You don't need grandiose numbers. You just kind of need a lovely steady set of numbers and figures of listeners. And then you've got a nice kind of attuned market for any advertiser or sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. What what is it about audio do you think that makes that listener actually really listen to the adverts too? What is it about the experience do you think? Yeah, I think there's two things. One is, let's imagine that most people are listening to podcasts hands-free to to actually go into your pocket or sometimes in another room to skip over those adverts. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm just going to listen through them. Um, but then there are other ways and some people have been really clever with incorporating um, ads or, and read-throughs. They describe how it helps them in their daily life. Now, if the podcast that you're listening to is something that you're akin to, then it's like, yeah, sure, I'm going to use that app, that service. You're just like me, and I'm going to use that too. This is why sponsorship and advertising has been successful in podcasting. I think maybe Mm. that's why that advertising, you're like, someone's literally word of mouth recommending it yes to me yeah yeah yeah. that definitely plays into it so kind of feel like oh no my friend recommended the podcast plus the person who's presenting or hosting the podcast is like me or someone I aspire to be and um also I love all the guests that they have on I relate to these stories in some way shape or form and therefore it means that um advertising and sponsorship really works in podcasting it really does doesn't it yeah Actually, when I first started working on podcasts, uh, I I started as a digital assistant and that was like the runner job of the digital team. (laughs) So it meant that you were dealing with like uh, payroll for freelancers and uh, you're booking meeting rooms and you're finding studio space and you were kind of 
the jack of all trades to an entire team and uh you've paid the least but did the most kind of thing. great years yeah exactly yeah, start of anyone's career yeah. yeah uh and then um a lovely manager and now friend named Naima Chowdhury she was like you know what I think you'd be great in podcasts I helped out their team in, and a lot of it was in my spare time as well when there was a, a full-time post I applied for it I got the job it was strange because actually out of all the BBC sites the podcast website still had to be hand cranked like I was still fiddling around with CSS and <laughs> all the other uh, codes and I was yeah, I went on training courses. I just brought myself up to speed. And that's one of the things that I loved about the BBC is that I could go on training. It feels to me like podcasts are a treat mm. as a consumer a lot of the time. A treat or a learning opportunity. And it's a cul-de-sac from the internet because there are no hyperlinks. I can't click. The internet is not set up for audio. It didn't necessarily work very well with the apps that were in place at the time so um if i updated the website it wouldn't necessarily look the same as it should have on the iplayer app at the time what year um, was this 2014 so i moved over to bbc world service for a little while where i worked as their digital business development manager and um i should state that that my I, my relationship with Apple, my professional relationship with Apple started when I was at Domestic BBC on their digital team okay. um, because we I, part of my job was syndicating all of BBC's content um, to third parties, so that included Apple. And what was at the time iTunes, um, and they've now rebranded to Apple Podcasts. Christina joined Apple Podcasts in January 2017. During her time there, she worked on rolling out the analytics tool, nurturing new podcast growth and the Guilty Feminist International Women's Day campaign. I joined at an incredible time. It was definitely the podcast team was going through a few transitions. So, uh, like I said, that it, re it was rebranding from yeah. iTunes to Apple Podcasts. Mm. We released podcast analytics, a game changer in the industry. We were like, thank goodness. Just having <laughs> four people listening is it's really helpful. It's great for advertisers. Yeah. 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 Really far in is people commit. They're like, I'm, I'm listening yeah. to this. Yeah. Um, for penny and for pound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I think it's a it's a break from the stream of information of the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in uh, when people were kind of analysing YouTube behaviour, they'd already they had always assumed that you know our concentration it's not the same as it used to be. Um, you know, we're not as intelligent as we used to be. And the great thing about podcast analytics is that it displayed that actually we do have a, we do have the same concentration that we always had. It just depended on the medium and the content. Wi Fi on the tube, I think, yeah. is a game changer. Yeah. All the stars aligned, essentially. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah Noise cancelling headphones, someone said to me, was a big game yeah, changer. Yeah, that's true. Which I love. Yeah. Because commuting is a really important time for yeah. people to. You're right. A lot of things came together and yeah. people were like, this is e That's it. Make it easy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. easy before. At the time, I was still working for Apple and we were kind of, it was coming up to International Women's Day and we needed some ideas. We love to work really collaboratively. And uh, I was like, hey, what if we record a show? 
Deborah Francis White, her podcast, The Guilty Feminist, was massively popular. It's been popular for a very, very long time. And she was just the perfect candidate yeah. to feature on our storefront. Was she on tour at the time? Because there, there were live mm. events yeah, happening, so weren't there? Deborah actually records most of her podcast episodes as live events. So, yeah, she has a mammoth task on her hands. It is an operation for her, um, but it's one that's paid off dividends. So, um, and she had, she was very well connected uh, and she had some great guests on and we were like, okay, well, uh, there are all these positive female role models and we're like, well, let's, let's support them. Let's support them and their content um, on the storefront. So it was on the Apple podcast store. It was on the Apple bookstore um, and um, Apple News picked it up as well as a feature and uh, it worked incredibly well. We were so pleased with the result and we, we hope that it achieved what we set out for it to achieve and that was for a voice to be heard. Deborah's Hello. lovely. I yeah. really, really like her. And she stands for so many things. I think what I love about Deborah is that people claim to be either a feminist or an activist of some sort but not a lot of people do anything about it mm. uh, they're they're what I call either keyboard warriors or mm. <laughs> bedroom champions and that has its place but she actively pursues change um, so it's not just her podcast she also holds seminars for women to negotiate better uh, pay rises and promotions and I feel like that I felt like she should be somebody at the forefront of yeah an international women's day be- because she made an active contribution it wasn't just her and a microphone it was all the stuff behind it yeah, yeah. there are about 555,000 podcasts on apple podcasts right now including this one but it isn't always easy to find the less famous ones, like this one. Here we go to talk about some of the elements of launching the Black Mirror Cracked podcast that contributed to its success. Christina also has some very useful tips of podcasters and would-be podcasters too. Because of the nature of podcasts, you find what you search for. We had seven episodes for for those 20,000 listeners to come from. Mm. And also as a team for you, you could just listen to snippets of each one and be like, it's consistent. So we put Charlie Brooker's voice at the top of each episode, but you hear he's on every single one. You hear there's a whole... I mean, as an experience, that's quite helpful to have more than one episode for Apple to know what to do with that podcast as well. Yeah, I mean, I think if I was a content creator, I would come at it from the point of view that especially now, your episode could be picked up by either Apple, Google or Spotify. Oh, that's massive, isn't it? Yeah. Three really powerful yeah. entities. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so what you want to do, as the internet has taught us, is make sure you capitalise on your keywords in your metadata. Um, and also uh, straight from the get-go of any kind of title in your on your episode and at the beginning of your description of your episode, that you call a spade a spade, let people know what's in there. Um, And that will entice them to listen. 
in the first instance, it was never used as a branding tool, right? So a lot of people ended podcasting just as a mechanism to talk about subjects that they didn't hear on the radio. And then very soon after that, it became a mechanism for people who aren't represented in radio to to kind of like oh this is content for us like two dope queens and do you know what I mean and and then the kind of like oh we could actually go about this in a more deliberate way this is how you create a brand um via podcasting I think that came afterwards um but it is true you do you are able to create a brand um, brand me from 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 podcasting and um and one of the reasons that that has worked for individuals is because the barrier to entry is quite low uh, in comparison to other mechanisms like tv um or even for film so let's say for instance if you wanted to be a documentary maker or a short form um video creator those cameras are still incredibly expensive there's still an entire team that you have to pay for you know for cinematography lighting sound yeah exactly exactly so when it comes to creating a podcast you maybe need two mics and some sound buffering and and a laptop and then you're done Um, and you can get at least get started right you can at least get content out there and then the hard work really is getting either word of mouth or social media to work for you. And that's that that's the tricky part. Discovery. Yeah. yeah. Which is I feel like it's the thorn in the side to everyone every content creator from YouTubers to podcasters is discovery is a big thing. Big yeah. Thing. Let's say for instance if this podcast was being filmed there'd be a whole team of people in here yes and that already creates an, a different kind of atmosphere yes um, yeah, whereas yeah. it's just us two yeah yeah and even though like the first few episodes of black mirror cracks were i guess the sound quality it could do the improving yeah yeah, yeah. but it didn't matter people loved the subject right they loved the topic they loved who you were interviewing who you were talking to and the way that you carried out the podcast so, so it was like that the audio quality it wasn't important to the audience or not that important to the audience and I think that's definitely for anybody who's thinking about getting into podcasting when they they always kind of like what equipment do I need mm. Mm, smallest part of what you actually have to do there is an element of laying on the job and there's no matter how much you kind of ask questions or job shadow you never really know what it truly is about until you start doing it and yeah yeah yeah. the great thing about editing and I've, I've done my fair share of editing for both video and for audio is that you really learn how to create a story yes yep yeah yeah absolutely and I would recommend anyone do that if they're kind of thinking about I'd really like to get into podcasting how do I do it if you're worried about you know the audio setup as in recording Mm. a podcast definitely go and um, volunteer to edit for somebody and kind of do your background training that way I think it's just so valuable Christina is about to mention the UK Audio Network. It's a group for audio types. Producer Lily Ames set up this email list that you can join. And there's loads of information about freelance jobs, um, equipment for sale, advice on soundproofing rooms, and uh, the odd pub nights as well. 
If you'd like to find out more and to join, go to www.ukaudionetwork.co.uk. What do you think are some of the downsides of, the, of our jobs becoming more digital and the audio industry becoming more digital? One of them is, so are you, you're you part of the audio network group yeah. and there are a lot of posts about tape sync. Or, yes. Yeah. And also people are looking for remote journalists as well. Mm. Whereas at one point the journalists had to travel to that place and they got to experience the atmosphere and how people lived. And so there was a lot of context about being embedded in the place where you needed the interview and that has been lost because everyone just does it remotely. Yes, it's Mm. reduced cost, which is great, but the person creating that podcast isn't in the context. They're not there. That's such a good... And it makes a difference, yeah. What do you think the difference is then? I think that... Okay, so let's say, for instance, if you listen to any of the archive content... Um, from the BBC, let's use the, them again, um, especially World Service. Yeah. They are out there, you can hear the ambience, you can hear uh, the, the journalist is describing the environment, um, and then they go into the interview, right? So there's kind of like a nice lead, yeah. um, an atmospheric lead into the interview, which is completely gone from anything that's done remotely i very rarely find anybody who sets up the context first for that interview or in in or the atmosphere first for that interview is that because then you'd be asking the correspondent to do some recording themselves and that's there's kind of a barrier there yeah i mean so what happens yeah 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 so almost certainly most people aren't acting as a correspondent they're just acting as the person capturing the audio yes does that make sense so whereas a correspondent will be like okay i'm creating a narrative out of this i'm in i don't know i'm in syria here's what's happening around me there are people here here and here you know on my way here this happened and now I'm about to speak to for tape syncs or for remote recordings mm. for either one of those the there isn't any person there to capture the atmosphere does that I make understand. sense yeah it becomes it becomes the difference between studio and like ambient yeah that's what it is yeah it's the difference between studio and ambient. fully studio produced yeah 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 it's a bit like losing me if not the introduction or the bits around the side. Yeah, it is the bits around yeah. the side. But the bits around the side are quite nice. You're taking out a sense. Yeah. And very yeah. few people know, A, that it's missing because they would have just gone straight into podcasting and not done any kind of radio work yeah. and especially not any kind of international correspondent work. So they think that this is the only way you can make audio and that 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 is being lost. That is being lost. And I think that's what I would like to see some podcast creators, with or without radio experience, kind of let's bring some of that back in. I do love a bit of Atmos. Podcasting needs to tell stories that create pictures in the listener's imagination. Here, Christina talks about a podcast that does this really well. That's really important. Yeah. Really important. And I think that differentiates a good podcast from a great podcast being able to paint 
or assist the audience in painting that picture. Who's doing that well that you've enjoyed? Oh, that's a very good question. Do you know what? Aaron Mankey of Law paints amazing pictures. What um, is this? Law. Um, so he is a storyteller by profession he started off as a writer and decided that he uh, was actually going to kind of read from some of his writings and that's initially how he, he started up but it's just him most of the time sometimes there's a little bit of music to assist the story but mostly it's just him and it's amazing how one man can tell a story and keep me captivated for nearly 30 minutes he's a great storyteller so he kind of he helps move the story along and create an atmosphere and add context i I like the way he tells stories people always ask me how long should the podcast episode be however long the story takes people also love how to right so yeah they want to learn something those are also equally very popular podcasts so even though my preference is human interest um, yeah yeah but people love to know how so if you're halfway through telling somebody how to do something yes (laughs) like no no we are returning to this podcast on my commute home uh, so that I can finish learning how I achieve x I mean, what's happened with podcasts is amazing because actually online radio has been around for a little while. Yeah. Like, it never really took off. No. It never really took off in a way where people would like say to each other, oh, by the way, did you hear that online radio station? Nobody said that ever. No. <laughs> no. So, uh, and podcasting has worked in a slightly different way uh, where people do say, I found this podcast you have to listen to yes. it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything you would like podcasters to know that kind of, you know, from from your incredible position inside the industry, working within these platforms that help discovery, is there anything that's helpful for, for podcasters to think about? Yeah, so a couple of things. One is just get started, because I think sometimes podcast creators or people who want to become podcast creators agonise far too much and far too long over whether they've got the right idea and whether it will be popular and what audience figures they should be aiming for and what equipment they need. Um, And I think all of those things will never make up for getting started and then getting feedback. So always just get started and get some feedback uh the other thing that i would advise is and if you are hesitant like i'm i'm a big researcher like i always like to okay i want to get as much information as possible before i get started but you always have to try and balance that with not having analysis paralysis right so um if you are that person i would say shadow some people don't agree but I really loved job shadowing throughout my career and I would always ask and people say no and people ignore your emails and people cancel on you all those things will happen 
but when you shadow somebody um, there are a lot of things that you can pick up and learn and I always volunteered to help in some way whether that was just balancing a microphone or whether that was picking up a guest or whether that was um, perhaps helping out with the social um, taking pictures I always offer to help um, and I found that massively valuable and the reason I found it valuable is if you don't have um, any storytelling experience or journalism experience you can see somebody else at work you can see what kind of questions they ask and so it that was massively valuable you know what sometimes it's so much fun as well like it's not it doesn't feel like work and then uh, I guess my third tip would be to work on your profile and by that you don't always have to have a lot of social media accounts because sometimes that can be quite taxing on your time uh, maintaining them all but you definitely want to work on what are you going to be known for and for you yes Black Mirror has been like the opening uh, to your audio career Thanks to Christina Moore for guesting on this episode and for arranging studio space and a sound engineer at Taliard Studios in King's Cross, London. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, I'd love to hear from you. So please do follow Freelance Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also join the Facebook group and you don't have to be a freelancer to get involved. If you enjoyed this episode of Freelance Pod, please do rate and review us. This helps other listeners find the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you get a notification every time there's a new episode of Freelance Pod. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.